Well, hello, sports fans. Alan and Trent here, ready for the Enduring <laughs> Churches podcast today. I'm, man, I'm pumped up, man. The Rangers are going to be in the divisional playoff series. So, man, this is great year um, if you're a sports fan. But I'm an even bigger fan of what God wants to do in the church today. And so, Trent, we've got an interesting topic today. I love the title. Tell us about it. Well, you know, I was... Um hearing some things it was kind of god put all these pieces together of a story about insider trading you know and some and a group being arrested for that but then um also thinking about you know i'm working with a team in the state of missouri now on calling out the called and encouraging people to to see if god has called them and so this all came together god put it together of talking about insider training uh, and encouraging uh, folks to stay in the secular job so that god can use them there and so that's kind of where this all came from alan i don't know if that makes any sense at all but uh, I, I i like the idea of the topic i do i love that title too let's some start some insider training i think that's just really good and you're not going to get arrested for this this is this something is that should be a part of what we're doing. I think, Trent, you know, you talked about calling out the called, and it is so important because there's a shortage. There's a shortage of ministers and ministry leaders in all of our churches, but we don't solve the problem. If everyone in the church decided that their role was in paid ministry somehow, we'd have a problem too. So for most people, there's a calling to be right where you're at doing what you're doing right now. So what do we do with that? And how do we handle that situation? It's a great question. It's a great topic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why don't we talk about that? Yeah, I think that's, this is a good thing for us to kind of explore and, and maybe encourage, uh, you know, I, we need to look at our jobs or, and we call it a secular job, but there's no such thing in the life of a Christian as a secular job. You're, you're sacred all the time. And, and so, you know, but we need to look at the job that God has given to us as a gift. Um, scripture tells us to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And so um, it's really important for us to see that as an opportunity that God has placed in our life to look at that uh, job. It's not just a J-O-B, it's a, it's a missions opportunity. And so you know, every member of the body is called. Scripture tells us that again and again. And sometimes, though, God calls out someone to pastor or minister to the body of a local church. But most are called to stay in their their job that they have, that, that missions opportunity. Yeah, you know, Trent, I remember a song back in the um, 80s that the late Keith Green wrote called Jesus Commands Us to Go. And there's a line in it, it should be the exception if we stay. And I remember even as a teenager, kind of trying to wrap my head around that statement that all of us are certainly called to be on the go. That, that is part of it. But the idea that we're all called to go somewhere new or to go somewhere different isn't necessarily true. In fact, many times we are called to go next door or we're to basically dig in where we're at and serve where we're at 
So I think this is really important. And one of the things you kind of gave three key areas that we really need to train people for. And I think they're they're all a little bit different. But one of those is is in our secular job. And I think our job, especially for men now, men identify more strongly typically with their job and are find more definition typically in their role in their job. So why is this important? Well, Alan, as you think about your quote secular job. Guys do identify with that because their identity is wrapped up in that job a lot of times. You know, that's that's who they think of themselves as. That's who others think of themselves as. And that's where they get their pats on the back. That's where they have their sense of accomplishment. But as a follower of Jesus, God has has placed you there. I mean, just think about this. If we say that God has has given the church all the people that they need to accomplish the ministry that he has for them, then I believe that is also true for a Christian as he's placed in a a job that is not the church, that God has gifted that place of, of work with you. He has put you there at this time and in this place. And so I think it's so important for us to encourage people to stay in their secular job and you make it sacred by being there. It becomes a mission opportunity. And and honestly, I told my people when I was pastoring, I would tell my folks, Alan, that you have much greater opportunities to reach out and share the gospel than I do as a pastor because of the place that you work in. Yeah, your job matters and your calling to your job matters. When I was a vocational church planter guy. I had a job that took a lot of time and required a lot of travel. And there are two ways that job could go. You know, when you're traveling, you can develop some bad habits and get into some situations you shouldn't be in, or you can try to embrace the opportunities. And God gave me a wonderful ministry. Um, I remember someone looking at me one time and says, you're kind of like the chaplain for the whole corporation. And that was because I accepted that idea that I was there for a purpose and there was a calling in me being there for that season that I was there. So I think it's important for us really to, to kind of understand that, God, you have me here for a reason. You may not even always like your job, mm-hmm. but God, you have me here for a reason. You could be in between jobs and you took a job at Home Depot because that's the only job you could find right now. And you may think, I I don't want to be here. I want to get back into whatever industry, but you're there and God has you there. And there's a a great ministry in being there. Yeah. If we truly believe that God is in control and we can trust him, then we should be able to trust that he has a ministry opportunity for us in whatever job that is. Uh, If it is at Home Depot, you know, there's somebody who's going to be coming in there every day (laughs) because they're doing a project at home and talk about something that will stress you out. Um, And so they need somebody that will listen to them, be an encourager to them, help them find what they need. And, and so I think that our secular jobs are so important. And and so also I've heard of people say, you know, they come to become a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ and their family, they're not followers of Jesus. And so there's people that are like, well, I, sh- I just need to leave and get out of my family because they're they're pulling me away from Jesus or they're not allowing me to be uh, in church or whatever, or do ministry. 
And I want to tell you, don't do that. Don't, because God has placed you as a missionary in your family. I mean, you are the opening, you're the door to that whole family coming to know Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to stay in. And we should encourage all our folks that are in that situation to stay with their families. Yeah, no, that's not just, just a blanket statement. This is in general that you need to stay in your families. There are circumstances where you need to find safety. We're not saying don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're being abused, you shouldn't stay in an abusive situation. But just because your family doesn't necessarily share your faith doesn't mean you should walk away from your family. You need to stay involved and love on and care for your family. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Alan, because there that's true. There are times when in an abusive situation, you do not need to stay there. My wife, Dana, and I have helped many um, folks get out of abusive situations. And, and it was amazing to me sometimes that people would say, no, I need to stay here. I need to, you know, even though my husband is beating me or whatever, I, I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to stay there. But if that's not the case, if there's just philosophical disagreements, then serve your family and show them Jesus in all the ways you possibly can. So, you know, we should encourage people to stay in those secular jobs and you make them sacred, stay in those families. And then thirdly, Alan, I think, you know, there are times when we're in a community that is maybe not necessarily where we want to be. You know, we feel like, oh, God must be calling me to go to a different place. Um and but maybe he has you placed in that community to be a spiritual leader for that community and to be an outreach person. You know, I've heard a couple of times this past year that people moved specifically so they could go join a church somewhere that they heard about or they've watched online or something and they move so they can be part of that church community. And I wonder, you know, just the question in the back of my mind is, but what about the community you're leaving? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of mark does it? leave when you leave your community like that without a distinct reason and without a real purpose i think god does place us you know the idea that this is where god has put me and god wants me here and there's a reason for me to be here and i think that that is something that we should give consideration to and we should love our community we've talked a little bit about how we're seeing a return to the neighborhood church and to the community church mindset that I want to go to church with people I live near so I know my neighbors. And I'm excited about that. I think that's an important part. In so I think if we'll develop roots in our neighborhood, we can have a very fruitful ministry in our neighborhoods. Yeah, and instead of like, well, I'm just doing my time, biding my time till I can leave, then we should be. Um, you know, Alan and I have talked about this as well because Alan was, he coached, he got involved in the school I got involved in the local chamber and it gave us those opportunities to speak into people's lives that we wouldn't have had just in church. And so, I, man, I think it's so important. And, and God knows the needs in your community. And so he's placed you there to be a light for him um, instead of going to the mega church in the next town where you're not even noticed. You're just a number and you have no ministry, why not stay where you are and be a minister and a light for Jesus Christ? Yeah, so we've talked about those three things, your job, your family, your community. 
let's talk about how we do that that training because that's an important part of this conversation as well we need to know we need to stay in but you know i don't think churches are doing all we need to do with our training today we can call it discipleship or whatever we want to call it but we need to be training and equipping our people at a higher level than we have done and it can't really be done with just one program you have to think bigger than that i agree alan and just so just let's just think about the first area we talked about a moment ago was our secular jobs um, and so wouldn't it be awesome if there was a godly christian person who's working in a secular job and they see that there are some young people that are interested in that field of work and they invite them to come alongside them and let them mentor them not only how to do the job well because we need to do that but also how to be a christian in that job setting and do it well i i think that that's a great opportunity yeah mentoring is is something we don't do enough of we talk about it a lot but i don't think we do it a lot and the idea that we should pour our lives into someone else and mentor someone is really something i think all of us should take seriously who are you pouring your life into and one of the terms i'm seeing too trend is this idea of reverse mentorship um, that we should let sometimes maybe someone younger also mentor us so we understand the generation. We have so many generations alive at one time mm. that I don't understand. I still struggle to understand millennials sometimes. <laughs> you know, yeah. now, and, and now that we have Gen Z, you know, entering the workplace, mm. graduating from college, um, some of them could get, offer perspective on, well, how, how do I create a work environment um, for that generation? And so, you, it becomes mutually bene beneficial and you know pretty soon we're gonna have generation alpha um who you know are young teenagers now that'll be entering the work workforce at least in some of the low-level jobs so we've got we've got a lot to learn from others and mentorship takes a two-way approach to that and i love that about it yeah and as you're saying that alan i'm really glad you brought that up because um some of our folks that are older you know generations older they have maybe been pushed out of their field their job because of them being older or change of technology and so there's that's an opportunity for those younger people who have a better grasp who are those technology natives to be able to mentor those older folks and help them uh, the movie the intern i'm sure you probably have seen that um you know shows an example of that a guy who retired and he's just like i don't want to stay at home so he goes and gets a job as an intern and he's the oldest guy in the whole office but all these other young people start showing him how to do the job and he shows them some character qualities that they should work on too so there's a give and take that can be beneficial to all ages yeah it's that's a good example of that you know, similarly is the idea of apprenticeships that you might bring someone into an even closer relationship. Think of it like an electrician or a plumber. They still incorporate apprentices a lot. So you're going through and, and actually walking in their footsteps. It's a picture almost of discipleship. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, when I think of us as disciples, I think of us as Jesus apprentices. And that's the idea that you're going along here. Hey, we're, we're in the same place. Why don't you walk with me through this and let me show you what it's like to do that? 
you know, my granddad was one of those people in my life uh, that spiritually I was kind of his apprentice. He would take me on hospital visits and he would do these other things. And I learned um, by watching him do it. And he would kind of put me in that situation. Okay, I've done it. You do it now. Yeah, I love that example. That's so good. And, and, and so as a, maybe as a person who's in the work field and you see someone who is just hired uh, into that job and you may not even know if they're a follower of Christ. But what a great opportunity to take them under your wing and say, I want you to go with me and we're going to do this job. And then as you're doing that job, you get to start conversations, build a relationship and ask them some questions and, and be able to present the gospel to them. And then they so that's the example they see. And then they later on, hopefully, would be able to do that for someone else. Exactly what we're talking about. Some mentorships, apprenticeships, those two are probably alike and they can take place in the church. They can take place in the workplace. They can take place, um, you know, outside of church hours or business hours. I mean, these things, these things have a variety of approaches to them. I guess the last couple we want to talk about maybe are a little more specific to the church, though, Trent. And one is something that I don't think churches take advantage of as much as we used to because we're so worried about everyone's time commitment, but that's training events and doing specific training events for specific purposes. And I think that that's something that we need to be more involved with. Yeah, that you know, that's a great opportunity for a local church to provide an event, bringing in someone who is from a specific field or a leadership training event or, you know, a, a skilled training event and and you know, being able to let that person speak into the lives and, and share some skills with people in your church so that they can do a better job even in their in their job. Yeah, I'll give you a great example that we had for, for many years, Dallas Willard, mm. a philosophy professor at, a, at USC and who was able to really kind of transcend um, beyond the academic world and show us how to be an academic and be a person of faith and to do that well. So there was someone there who could really train people and show people, and he wrote books about it. I mean, they were so, so good. This is what it's like, and he did it well. I think we can learn from those examples, and we can train others by, based on what we've learned. You know, how, are, how do you live in a field where everyone else is going off after work and they're dropping by the bar? and they're going home drunk and you're different you know how do you how do you walk in that world how do we train people to walk in that world how do we train people to share their faith at work in a way that's natural and doesn't make them look like they're just um you know weird but how do we do that where it becomes effective and natural and all those things so training events have a place and they have a purpose and we need to take advantage of those so pastors i want to encourage you to think about how you're doing training and when you're doing training for your people. Yeah. And keep in mind, Alan, um, that whatever field you work in, the best way for you to have a good witness in that job is to do your job well. And so the more we can provide that um, training, those training events outside of your church, so that you are outside of your job, so you can do those jobs well, and be a better witness in your in your field of service and that that gives you open doors 
Yeah, one of the most frustrating things I have is when someone advertises their faith and then does a poor job with something, or someone advertises their faith and they lead poorly. It's not a very good witness. So we want to certainly do things and do do things well. And then, uh, you know, we do things in the church all the time that have this role, but we don't take advantage of that opportunity. So how can we do things with our ongoing activities like Sunday school and small groups that we can actually help people in their roles? You know, Alan, I've seen Sunday school classes that just buy the literature, go through week to week in the literature, 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 and that stuff is okay, but if that's all you ever do, it's you just become that stinky sponge. You're just soaking up, soaking up, soaking up, and there's nothing for you to take and make practical. And so I would, alongside your literature, whatever you use for Sunday school, we had, Dana and I had a great older couple that gave us an example when we were young folks um, just out of uh, college. We had just got married. And that was a we joined, long time ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't, Alan. <laughs> but anyway, Jack and Velma Ritchie, they taught a class for young couples, and they would um, they would assign us books to read, leadership books, um, what whatever, the, and they would kind of know where we were at, what we were doing. And so I remember them giving me the book, Your Work Matters to God. And I had to do a, a kind of a book review in front of the whole group and just tell them and share some good leadership lessons that I learned from that. And that it is important for me to stay in that that job, whatever God has placed me in, to do it well and use it as a missions opportunity. So I, I'm so thankful for the, you know, Jack and Velma who gave us that example. And I think we can do that a lot in our Sunday school classes, even like this, Alan, just going around the class before you start looking at your Sunday school literature and asking them, hey, what what is God doing in your work, in your job? How is God moving? Uh, what things do you see that we need to pray for you about in your job? And uh, what are opportunities that God is opening doors? And things, simple things like that can be a real blessing. Yeah, I think it's learning to ask the right kind of questions. I think that's what you're kind of getting at with that. We don't ask enough questions in our group times. You know, we have these small groups and we go through the Bible. And sadly, what we do is we sit around, well, what do you think this Bible passage means? Well, those are really probably not the right questions. That's that's where the teaching and instruction comes in, because someone Mm -hmm. should have studied it. We should know what it means. We should be able to communicate that. But what does it mean in our lives? That's a different question. And how does that play out in our lives? Those are the questions that we really need to spend more time asking um, in our in our class time. And uh, pastors, let me encourage you, pay attention to what's going on in your small groups. Pay attention to what's going on um, in your Sunday school classes. Are your, are your teachers trained and equipped? Because I know a lot of churches, I go into them and it just makes me cringe. I'll walk in on a church and they're finishing up Sunday school. And I can tell that the person is reading straight from their teacher's guidebook. And I just want to run down and say, stop it, stop it. You know, this is not helpful um, because anyone could read that. What, What we need is dialogue. We need to understand why does this matter? 
And we need to communicate that because when the Bible talks to us, it does matter. I'll give you an example. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was a senior in high school. And the first lesson, he threw, put the book down and he says, let's talk about this one. And he went to John chapter one and he goes, there was a man called by God. His name was John. And he looked at all of us and said, I just want to take John's name out of that for now. And I want you to put your name in there. And he said, there's a man called by God. His name is. And he had us put, put our name in there. God has a calling for all of us. My calling was not to be John the Baptist. It's never been been to be him. But God has placed a calling in my life. And I am to honor him in that. And that, that teacher was the best year of teaching I ever had in church. Because he tied everything to what we do. It was in his job. He lived it. He believed it. He showed it, and he taught it, and hopefully, I caught it. And that's what back. And I want to, I want to shout amen and preach it, brother. That's so good. And what what you said about Sunday school and not just reading out of the literature too—that is, oh man, gosh, if I could spoon feed that idea to all the Sunday school teachers I've ever come in contact with, oh man, talk about. We just waste so much time and, and opportunity. So, uh, man, I'm agreeing with you, Alan. You preach it, brother. <laughs> I get a little preachy sometimes. I haven't, I didn't preach last uh, much last week. So, you know, it was a short sermon. So I had some saved up. <laughs> man, <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you saved it up and shared it with us today. And so uh, just to recap, we've been talking about doing some insider training instead of insider trading. Uh, and that is that we train people to stay in the place of ministry that God has placed them in, even if that's your secular job or a family that are non-believers or a community that you don't necessarily appreciate living in. All those places God has placed you in and we want to encourage you to stay in and to serve Jesus and be a light in those. Yeah, it's a great topic, Trent. I'm so grateful you put this one into our notes today. And thanks for the insight on that. And uh, thanks for sharing the story, too, about your friends at Jack and Velma. Uh, I love it when we hear about teachers who influenced us. No one else may have remembered their Sunday school class, but you did. There's a lot of those folks out there. Make sure you show appreciation to them. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. Thank you for taking time for the Enduring Churches podcast. And we look forward to catching you on our next episode.